athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You got box to row on ESPNU Radio on Series XM. I am your host, Donald Ware. We've got a really good show for you today. As a matter of fact, going to talk some HBCU football, week seven of HBCU football had a big win. I mean, Jackson State is rolling right now. Obviously, remains number one in the HBCU coaches and media polls. A big-time victory over Alabama A&M. The game was in Huntsville, Alabama, 61-15. to And Jackson State definitely made a statement. There isn't any question about that. The Tigers made a statement. There was a lot of talking Uh, During the course of the week in Jackson State, just backed it up with a statement game because the way I was looking at it, and I did say that Jackson State would win the game. I didn't think it was going to be, I don't know if anyone thought it would be 61 to 15 because, yes, Alabama A&M had come off a loss the previous week to Grambling, but Alabama A&M, you know they can bounce back. They've got the offense. The defense is definitely an issue and continues to be uh, an issue, and Jackson State just exploited that Alabama A&M uh, defense. So I look at Jackson State, and you say, man, where did the 61 points come from? But it's been really this defense, and I thought it would be a higher, nah, not an astronomically high-scoring game, but a high-enough-scoring game with Jackson State winning the football game. But you look at the 61 points, you say, where did that come from, Right. And that was about Jackson State making a statement. But if you, even if you look at it, it was the statement that Jackson State really more so, I think, made on the defensive side of the football. Yes, the points haven't been there offensively. They manifested themselves uh, last Saturday. But you look at the defense. That's what I look at. When I looked at the defense from Jackson State, I'll even go back to the Louisiana-Monroe game where – Jackson State only gave up 12 points playing up, but only able to score seven points. So you you were, you know, my thought was, okay, will the offense come in? And it came in in a big way. Speaking of the Jackson State defense, got to recognize the Box to Row National Player of the Week linebacker for Jackson State, James Houston, had an unbelievable game. Six tackles, five of those were solo, two sack, uh, tackles for loss, a sack, a forced fumble, and he recovered two fumbles, including the scoop and score, 67 yards for the first points of the game. So, in essence, the game-winning points uh, in that football game. And, uh, you you know, I mean, man, Jackson State's defense is really, really good. You know, big matchup, though, this week. Like, we've got a couple of big matchups. 
in HBCU football this weekend, right? Uh, you know, I'm looking at that Jackson State and Alabama State game. Like, you, you know, I look at Alabama State, Donald Hill Ely, right, has made some has made some adjustments. Went with a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, um, got the victory over Arkansas Pine Bluff last week. Now, I realize Arkansas Pine Bluff is down uh, a little bit. That said, I think I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. Um, Donald Hill Ely is an offensive, has a great offensive mind. I mean, that Jackson State defense is just playing so well, but I think you're going to look at a low-scoring football game. I think it's a game that Jackson State will win over Alabama State. The game is in Montgomery. I mean, excuse me, the game is in Jackson. Excuse me, the game is in Jackson. Um, and but listen, I think you know you're 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 talking about an Alabama State team that's still in the race. That's the thing about it. Like Alabama uh, State is still in the race. Really, the only teams in the Eastern Division that control their own destiny are Jackson State. Well, it's three: Jackson State, Alabama State, and Mississippi Valley State, who, by the way, came off <laughs> coming off a win on last week. So those three teams in the SWAC's Eastern Division control their own destinies. Alabama A&M needs a lot of help. I mean, Florida A&M is still right there with the with the one loss, but it was against Jackson State. And by the way, Florida A&M's got a a, a tough game against an Alabama A&M team. Yes, that's reeling uh, a little bit, but you know. Listen, Alabama A&M is in trouble, no doubt. Two losses. You're two losses down already, plus one to Jackson, uh, head-to-head to Jackson State. And Florida A&M's defense is absolutely unbelievable right now. You look at the kid Isaiah Land. Remember, he was our, he was our National Player of the Week, the Boxer National Player of the Week last week. Right? He, had five, he had five sacks in the game against South Carolina State, right? So Alabama A&M's and plus Florida A&M's offense is starting to really come around. I think Alabama A&M is really in some trouble. So we'll talk some HBCU football today on the program. Let me set the table for you today. We are jam-packed with guests today here on Box to Row. Joining us today on Box to Row University of Miami head football coach Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz is going to join us on the program. We're located here in Raleigh, and Manny Diaz was an assistant here at NC State for several years uh, and comes back to the triangle going up against Mac Brown. Mac Brown was the head coach at Texas when Manny Diaz was the defensive coordinator at Texas, right? So good matchup. And really, you know, you look at Miami, it controls its own destiny. So uh, we're going to be joined by Manny Diaz a little bit later on in the program. Also joining us today on the program, boy, Texas Southern on a bit of a roll. Nice win last week over Southern, 35-31. to And joining us today on the program, Texas Southern, Head football coach, 
Clarence McKinney. Clarence McKinney also going to join us today here on the program. Speaking of teams that are playing well, Delaware State 3-3 three and three, has got a bye week. Next weekend's going to play uh, homecoming. It's going to be homecoming in Dover, Delaware. And you're looking at uh, a Delaware State team that has a bye week but is ultimately going to be playing South Carolina State next week. So Rod Milstead's the head football coach at Delaware State. He's also going to join us today here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. You can join us on the program. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W on Twitter, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We'll take a look. And, and we're at the midway point, midway point of the season, so I've got some good, some bad, and some ugly that I'm going to get to a little bit later on in the program as Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM rolls on. More of Box to Row with Donald Ware is on the way. Did you know that Miracle Food is used to remove incurable diseases from the body, such as cancer, herpes, diabetes, high blood pressure, HIV, and more? It is also a natural, safe way to treat disorders such as anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, ADHD, autism, dementia, Alzheimer's, skin, hair, eye disorders, even paralysis. Miracle Food is taking over the medical industry by storm. ChakraDoctor.org. 818-429-1675. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Delaware on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up, what up? Yo, 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 yo. Okay, KK. Rod Milstead is an alum of Delaware State. He's in his third season as the head football coach of the Hornets. And the Hornets, matter of fact, even their record on the season at 3-3, three and three, coming off a 56-6 victory over Virginia University of Lynchburg. And for the Hornets, MIAC play begins uh, in Dover, Delaware. South Carolina State comes to Dover. Rod Milstead right now joining us here on Tarot. Coach Milstead, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Your, your thoughts, uh, uh, what did you learn from your team in the victory last Saturday against University, uh, the uh, Virginia University of Lynchburg? Well, the biggest thing is that uh, we wanted to play four quarters of football. And uh, we wanted to, to see and get an evaluation of where we were as a football program. We always talk about, and I talk about, and I, about the standard on how we got to play. And I don't care who the opponent is, we have to play up to the standard. All the good teams, your championship teams, they play to a standard. They play above the line. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want us to come into that game thinking, oh, it's the, 
University of Virginia, Lynchburg, you know, they're 0 and 4, 0 and 5, whatever they were. And uh, we played down uh, uh, to them. And so I was very pleased that uh, although we didn't start uh, and score in the first quarter, uh, the second quarter we really took off and, and started uh, to play at the standard and play above the line. So it was good in that aspect. And, and, and we, I learned a lot about my football program, that we got a bunch of guys who really believe in the vision that I said a few years ago, and they're really pushing the agenda. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you came in and we talked with you about this your first year. And, I mean, the MEAC championships you won as a player, you're trying to reestablish that. And, you know, with a 3-3 three and three record right now, uh, it's pretty solid. Let's go back to two weeks ago with the victory over Wagner. Uh, overtime victory, really good win for the program. Yeah, it was. It was. We uh... – we came out the gate and, uh, I mean, got shocked 15 seconds in the game, and you're down 7 nothing. Uh, one of our guys missed the tackle, and they were off to the races. So um, that part right there we didn't like. Uh, got down 20-7 to at halftime, and uh, uh, I had to have one of those coming to Rob Milstead speeches to our team and, <laughs> and told them, you know, hey, we're going to find out what we're about right now. Okay, all the sprints, all the hard work, everything that we put into this thing, we're going to find out right now if it was worth it and our guys decided that you know what they were going to play football and we came out and uh just really took the game over in the third quarter and then uh the game went in overtime and uh we had two shots at it in overtime and actually won it the second time in overtime should have won it the first time uh but we missed the missed the field goal and uh we won it the second time on the touchdown and we're very very fortunate and, and uh looking forward to uh playing uh you know south carolina state for homecoming yeah, and I mean, you look at you know Bowie State. That's a nice win. Like Bowie State's ranked in the in the in the HBCU media poll at number six. Uh, even though it D two, that doesn't matter. It's a good program. Um, where you are, where we are, halfway through the season. Your thoughts on your team as a whole? We're still we're steady getting better. Uh, that's the one thing that I like about our team is that we are are definitely getting better every week. And and we're still young. I mean, I got a team full of sophomores and and, and freshmen, which is exciting for the future because of the fact longevity of course you know you talked about winning me championships you're going to have to build it build it through you know your veterans your your freshmen and then also through some of your transfers that you get and you put those three pieces of the puzzle together and you get them buying in and you you have a championship football team so for us it was all about a process and you know i've said it a million times and i've hashtag it trust the process and I knew it would take some time to build this thing. This was Delaware State has been down for a while, and it wasn't going to be a plug-and-play and, play and uh, or, or put insert Coach Milstead and automatic a MEAC championship. It doesn't work that way. We were going to have to build it and build it from the ground up. And then we're, I think we're right on track of what we're trying to get done. That the voice of Rod Milstead in his third season as the head football coach at Delaware State. He joins us here on Box to Row. That's an interesting point. Because when I look at this, and even if I go back to the – well, let, let me start here, the spring. How much did the spring help you in terms of where your program is right now this year? Oh, it helped us tremendously. We needed to practice we, uh, during the spring. That's where it all started for us was during the spring and having an opportunity to play against South Carolina State twice and to play against the University of Delaware and also play against uh, Howard twice. It was a, a great opportunity for us to – I had some new coaches that just got hired in February, and COVID had shut everything down, and uh, they hadn't had a chance to meet the players or, 
or implement what they wanted to implement. So the spring and and, uh, and playing, uh, I mean, practicing in the fall and then having an opportunity to practice and play in the spring, it just brought us to, to closer together as a family, as a football program. And it also set the standard and the expectations of what's to be expected when we started here this fall. So uh, our guys know the expectations. They know they have to play up to the standard above the line. And uh, it, it was really, really good for our program to get a lot of guys on the field and to be able to evaluate them really in game time situations. You know, I said I said third year, but you all did play in the spring, so it's really the fourth season. And so what were the your true – okay, your realistic expectations coming in because your Delaware State alum played when Delaware State was really good, but the bottom line is, and the fact of the matter is, the program has really been down. So where you are right now, uh, did you – are you where you thought you would be, you know, four years in at three and three, staring four and three in the face when you first took this job? Yes, I, I, I said it from day one that it would take a couple of years to, you know, to, to really get things going. I, I you know, uh, assessed our program like buying a used car. You get a used car, you see it on the lot, you like it. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's clean, it's shiny. Then the rain comes and you have it for a few months and then you notice, you know what? I may need a tire over here. I may need an oil change. And you start changing and you start adjusting and you're doing the maintenance on it. It was the same thing with Delaware State. Delaware State has been down for so long football-wise. And it had some pieces of the puzzle that need to be adjusted. And we adjusted those things. Some things we, we took off and put new ones on. And uh, I said the third season would be the season where, you know, you would start to see uh, the significant change. And uh, we're right on point right now. We look at the spring as an opportunity to play football. But, of course, the NCAA has said that that season or, or spring season did not count. And so this is actually the season when I talk, spoke about being the third season where you're starting to see the significant change. So I'm excited where we are, looking forward to, to, to playing out the MEAC schedule. And, you know, when I built the schedule, the schedule was built to play six games, uh, have a bye week, and then uh, go into MEAC play. So we are right where we want to be. Um, just looking forward to seeing how we progress through the MEAC. Yeah, you know, for me, I think, you know, where I saw the change start to happen, and, and, and there's no such things as moral victories, right? But if you, you look at the 2019 season to open the season and you lose to Delaware 31-13, to 13, I mean, that was like a 70 to nothing game, 70 to 6. I mean, that was a it was, it was big losses, right? So, I mean, that's sort of where I started to kind of see um, – where you were, you know, sort of taking the program. And, of course, you're 3-3 three and three right now. But let me ask you this. What do you remember most about those great days at Delaware State when you were winning MEAC championships? <laughs> well, well, the one thing, I, I the confidence that we had going into every game. You know, Coach Collick has set the groundwork where the expectation was that you were going to win this football game. We just didn't know how about by how many points. So uh, you knew you were going to have a winning record. And it was already engraved in your mind from day one that these things were going to happen. But Coach Collick, you know, he built it. They, they built it. Him and Coach Brzezicki, they built it and uh, uh, way before I got there. And so when I got there, it was simple. They were already had a program established. You look at the older guys. You watch what they do. You mimic their work ethics, and that's the standard. And so when I got here, undersized 6'1", 235-pound offensive lineman, there was a guy named Tony Danzi who was an All-American in front of me. And I just watched everything that Tony did, learned how he did things. And from that point, it was pretty simple for me to, to just follow and, and, and have an opportunity to step in right away. 
Rod Milstead, again, the head football coach at Delaware State, joins us here on the program. And then, of course, those uh, NFL days, uh, Cowboys, Browns, 49ers, then Washington Redskins, now, of course, the Washington football team, Broncos. Of course, you were able to win a Super Bowl with the 49ers. Yes. Yes, that's probably the highlight of, of my, my uh, career. I tell people that, that those years when I became a pro. The first two years in Cleveland was Coach Belichick's first time being a head coach, and it was difficult. There were some things that he made mistakes and, you know, weren't very good. When I got to, to Cleveland, of course, uh, there's a standard and there's expectations. And, you know, their model was if you don't win a Super Bowl, your season's a bust. And I've never heard that before. And so for me, that was intriguing because I came from Cleveland. And, heck, if you just made the playoffs, man, everyone loved you. You were the best thing since sliced bread. But in, in San Francisco, that was a given that you're going to make the playoffs. The Super Bowl is what we really, really want. So uh, being a part of that my first year out and getting a chance to experience it and to understand what it takes to be a champion, what it takes to be uh, an NFL player, what it takes to be a Super Bowl champion for me was, was amazing. And those are the principles that I bring here to Delaware State, the exact same work ethic. Last thought, uh, two close losses to South Carolina State, one in overtime to end the season in the spring what are some of the challenges that the Bulldogs present? They are a very well coached Buddy Pew tough team. I mean, they they are fast defensively and offensively. Uh, they can put you in conflict with their quarterback and their receiving core. Uh, they're good. There's a reason why they were picked uh, to be the MEAC uh, champion, preseason champions this year. Um, they're loaded with talent uh, all the way across the board uh, with a quarterback that can beat you with his feet. He can beat you with his arm. And also uh, a receiving core that's very shifty, fast, running backs that are a, a tandem pair of running backs that are very, very good. One's a big one, uh, more of a, a bruiser type back, and the other one is smaller but fast and shifty. So offensive line that's aggressive, uh, they do a lot of things well, and, and, and that's why they've been scoring points, although their record hasn't reflected. They're a really good football program. Uh, defensively, a defensive line likes knockbacks, like to get you back off the ball and, and try to attack your quarterback. They blitz you almost every play. Uh, they run to the ball well to try to, to eliminate the run game. And then their defensive backs, they have one that's a pro prospect who's a junior. Uh, he's, he's, he's really, really good. And they're very, very stingy on the outside playing man coverage. So we're going to have our work cut out for us. You know, we've had two tight games with them in, in the spring, and we came out on the, on the bad end of the stick both times. So uh, our guys are itching to go back out there and play them again. And uh, it's going to be a very, very good football game here in Dover. Of course, Delaware State 3-3 three and three on the season. Rod Milstead again in his fourth season as the head football coach at Delaware State joining us here on Box to Row. Coach Milstead, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Hornets. Thank you so much. So the bye week may be coming at the right time for Delaware State. Meanwhile, South Carolina State plays against Morgan State uh, to open up MEAC play for South Carolina State. And uh, so good time for a bye for Delaware State on a little bit of a roll and going to have a big homecoming tilt against South Carolina State next week. Still to come here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, Texas Southern head football coach Clarence McKinney. But up next, we're going to be joined by University of Miami head football coach Manny Diaz. We track down the names making news in sports. 
From the press box to press row, it's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his third season as the head football coach at the University of Miami. The Hurricanes coming off a bye week, as a matter of fact. And on Saturday, going to make the trip to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. Manny Diaz joins us here on Box to Row. Coach Diaz, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Your, your thoughts, what, what did your team do? You, you had the loss a couple of weeks ago to UVA. Tough loss, uh, uh, as you know. But uh, just what did your team, what did you all do during the bye week? This bye week was unique uh, to other ones that we've had. Um, uh, we, that, that was a hard loss, as you mentioned. And normally you, your instinct would be you, you want to get right back and play. The last thing you want is two full weeks to stew on, on a game like that. But um, the way our September went, we, we really needed a week to, to recalibrate us. Uh, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on North Carolina. Uh, we almost went back to a training camp mode, almost a summer conditioning mode. And we had to – you know, we had to redefine what our intentions were. We had to redefine uh, what our motivations were and, and make sure that everybody was uh, was on board with uh, what it was going to take for us to finish uh, the season a lot better than we started it. So what did that sort of th- this week consist of? Well, you know, there's only so much, you know, we're limited in what we can do now, right? You know, we're, we're obviously, we've, we've been deceived by injuries. We can't, you know, just take the team out and just beat the heck out of them in the old school style. <laughs> But uh, what you can do is you can run, and running will running will tell you a lot about somebody's motivation. We, um, you know, we we told the team last week we were going to have a week of of things that they would not want to do, and they we were going to force them to accomplish things um, that your your natural better instinct would tell you that that you'd rather not do. And by doing those things, uh, that actually helps breed toughness, resiliency, and some sort of connection to those that are going through the same thing that you are. And and that's kind of the stuff that happens in off-season program. That's kind of stuff that happens, um, you know, you know, in the summer training, summer conditioning. You don't normally have to do that in, in, you know, early October, but that's kind of what we needed after where we started. You know, all uh, as you know, all losses are tough. But I mean, that 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 UVA loss had to really stick in your crawl, uh, if you will. Just how disappointed were you after that loss? Well, for a couple of reasons. One, we, we I mean, first, obviously, you have to give Virginia credit. We, but to our point, we didn't play very well at all for the first three quarters of the game, you know, maybe the first 40 minutes of the game. Um, I think what made it so harsh, though, is we played so well down the stretch. And when things looked really dire, um, and it would have been very easy for us to, to sort of, you know, fold our tents, our kids hit another gear. And the way we played and the fight that we showed – um, and, and watching our young quarterback kind of go up right in front of our eyes, um, and then to go down the field, you know, it end up being some, you know, it would have been, it would have been a 80, 90 yard similar drive to give yourself a chance to win, and then you know, and, and then have the the kick missed by a few inches. Um, that's tough. It, so it's tough because it's like you mentioned, any loss is tough. It's tough because we certainly made enough mistakes to be deserved of of a defeat, but but at the same time the effort and the fight back and, and the resiliency our team showed, you want that to be worth a victory, and, and ultimately it wasn't. Manny Diaz in his third season as the head football coach at Miami joins us here on Box to Row. You lose your quarterback, Derek King, uh, for the season. 
you're, you're starting Tyler Van Dyke. He's a freshman, although he did get some time uh, on last year. Speak to how big of a loss King is, and then what do you have in Van Dyke? Well, he, he's an immense loss. I mean, it would be hard to imagine, you know, North Carolina without Sam Howell or most teams really without their starting quarterback. But what Derek meant to our program is a little bit different because he – not just what he does on the field, but he really changed us. And we were kind of, we were kind of a wreck at quarterback a couple of years ago. And, and Derek came in and just sort of stabilized the entire organization, um, not just because of his play, but just who he is in the weight room and the locker room, just his day to day. You know, just he's, he's, he's as hard of a worker as you can have in your program, just a great leader, a great person. Um, so that whole, you know, that, that, that it's hard for one person to replace that because he moved the needle on every player in our locker room. So Tyler, you know, to his credit is almost Derek's peer in terms of work ethic. He's phenomenal in the off season. Um, so those type things I think do help um, with our team because I think they do have a lot of respect for the way that Tyler works. Yeah. Not, you know, you're not quite halfway through the season two and three, of course, the upcoming game against North Carolina where, where are you? Where do you sit right now? What are your thoughts on where your team sits right now? Well, I mean, look, we're we, it's mid October, and somehow, some way, we still control our destiny in the league, right? Um, so, no matter what has been, no matter what parts of what has been that we don't like, <laughs> we still have a chance to to write our own story, and a lot of teams in the country don't. Um, so we, we, you know, we, we've got the pen, you know, and so whatever's happened, we have an opportunity to, to change it. Uh, we can make the story go any way we want to. So there, there is power in that. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, this, the ACC race wide open to your point, you went out, you know, you win the coastal. I mean, that's the bottom line. Correct. And our, I think our players understand that, but you can't talk about winning seven games without winning one. And, so I think we acknowledge that it's there, but I think right now we're, we're, we're more wrapped up in the process of what it takes to win one football game, uh, and especially one against a team as, as good as North Carolina. I mean, I, I, it is possible to have a good team with not a good record, you know, and I think North Carolina is certainly better than their record. I, hope, I believe that our team is better than our record, and I think that will show on, uh, with both teams on Saturday. Manny Diaz, again in his third season as the head football coach at the University of Miami, joins us here on the program. What are some of the challenges – that the Tar Heels present for your football team? Well, it all starts with the quarterback, right? I mean, how, you know, he's, he's our conference player of the year preseason, and, and he has done nothing um, to, in the first six games to show that he's not worthy of that award in the postseason. I mean, I, you know, I've seen the guy pretty up, up close since he first got there. I think he's playing better now than he has at any point of his career. Um, he is – making plays obviously with his arm, but what he's doing with his feet right now is, is keeping them out of negative yardage situations. Um, and, you know, and the fact that he's our second leading rusher speaks volumes uh, to what's going on there. So, um, you know, and then obviously defensively, they're, they're you know, in, if you, it's, it's distinct. I mean, if you look at the games that they won, uh, they've been very difficult to score on and they've, and they've, they've uh, for the most part, and they've also scored points in chunks. You know, there have been some games where, um, they've been more inconsistent, but that's sort of all of us in college football. So this is a team that we obviously have no choice but to have a lot of respect for because of the game that we played against them a year ago. Does it mean a little bit more to you going up 
against Mac Brown since you were the defensive coordinator at Texas the same time he was the head coach there? I, I don't sense that. Uh, I, I don't feel that way, really. Um, uh, you know, I'm appreciative of the fact that I got a chance to work at Texas under Mac. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from, from the situation and, and how it unfolded there. I think it was a big part of my career. Um, and, you know, and I think Mac is, since he's been back in, in the ACC and, and to have him on the, on the head coach's conference calls, I mean, you, you can just see his experience and what that does for our league. So, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that sense from the other times that we've stood across the sidelines from each other. Yeah, you know, you're, so you're coming back to the triangle. You spent some years at NC State. Speak to sort of those years uh, at NC State and maybe uh, how special, if that is the case, a place the triangle is for you. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got three sons, and two of them were born in Raleigh. Um, it, um, it, it's, it's, we, we spent six years in Raleigh, and, and um, this, was, this is our sixth year here in Miami. And the way that that coaching goes, you know, these, these are now the two longest six years of the longest two stops um, that me and my family have had anywhere. So we've, we've got a ton of fond memories um, from the Raleigh area. Every time we land, you know, we, we stay at the same hotel, whether we're playing Duke, Carolina, or State. Um, and uh, and so you just you just can't help but be you know flooded back of, of memories of of the time that was there. My family absolutely loved it there, um, and haven't had you know a ton of opportunities to to get back other than you know usually staying in a visiting hotel, which ironically was our home hotel when we uh, when we stayed when we were at NC State. But uh, but yeah, I always I always like when the plane touches down in Raleigh and you hop onto Glenwood Avenue and drive by the Angus Barn. You can't help but have uh, memories. <laughs> that's yeah, that's good stuff. Last thought uh, for you, uh, having grown up in Miami, what does it mean to be the head football coach uh, at the University of Miami in the city where you were raised? Well, it's very personal to me. You know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I'm, I, I grew up here, as you mentioned, and, and the Hurricanes were a big part of my life growing up. Um, you know, the Canes were coming to prominence, you know, really in my, you know, in the main years of, of my youth. Um, I know the expectation. I know the, the, the standard um, that the, the people in Miami expect this program to operate at. Uh, so I take it, I take it as, a, as a humongous responsibility um, to try to get Miami back to those, those high points where it was in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. So it's a, it's a big job, but, but for me it's because of the, the, the passion involved um, it is a um, it's a labor of love again Manny Diaz in his third season as the head football coach at the University of Miami joining us here on box to row the hurricanes on the road on Saturday taking on North Carolina coach Diaz we appreciate the time uh, we look forward to speaking with you soon my pleasure thank you for having me on University of Miami head football coach Manny Diaz joining us on the program that's old school right the bye week we get out we make you run it was and I watched that game against UVA and it was a bad loss and Miami did come back and ultimately could not finish the deal and he went old school on the players not to the degree that you used to be able to do it uh, back in the day and listen coach Diaz when he was at NC State Actually, when I was at NC State also at the same time, that was 2001. And I remember him being an extremely hard worker. I'd see him from time to time. He and some of the 
coaching staff, uh, uh, particularly the defensive coaching staff, would request stats or would want to do some comparisons and things of that nature. And especially, you know, I don't remember, maybe even some comparisons, maybe not him specifically, but, you know, in, from a recruiting standpoint, how does the ACC stack up against the SEC even at that time? And I just remember him being an extremely hard worker. And to see uh, where he was, that's been, you know, 20 years ago, to where he is now at Miami as the head coach, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And, of course, all the stops he's had along the way. Coming up next here on Box to Row on ESPNU Radio, we're going to talk with Texas Southern head football coach Clarence McKinney. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. My name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom of 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's Beef Jerky. Yeah, that's right. Because that's the way we roll. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Clarence Donald McKinney Ware, is in his Ware, third Ware, season as the head football coach at Texas Southern. The Tigers have won two straight games and, as a matter of fact, beat Southern on last week. As Clarence McKinney, the head football coach at Texas Southern, joins us here on Box to Row. Coach McKinney, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Your thoughts, um, you know, on the victory over Southern, 35-31. to 31. I thought it was a huge win for our program. Uh, gave our guys a lot of confidence. We have a tremendous amount of respect for Southern. Coach Rollins and his team, and, and uh, they're a quality program. And, and <clears throat> to get a win over those guys um, just boosted our confidence. Yeah, no no question about it. I mean, did it did it start – sort of building that confidence because you mentioned that in the week before you get a win uh, over North American 69 to nothing. Now I know in the spring it was a one and two record and that victory was a a forfeit uh, by Alcorn State. Uh, So how much of getting the victory in the manner in which you got it the week before, you know, really elevate and motivate this team against Southern? Uh, I think it has been building – since 2019 we we were in a lot of close games although we we didn't uh, come out on top of those games but our guys just continued to work continue to put the work in in the off season during the season and we just felt like we were building uh, a quality program the right way and then i mean even the week before that if you go back a couple of weeks ago you know you get into a shootout with rice even though you fell 48 to 34 i mean you've always been able to score points to your point even going back to the 2019 season 
you know, sort of talk about that game and that shootout with Rice. Yeah, it was a, a situation where we, in order for us to, to make it competitive, we had to score points. And, and Rice uh, is a really good offensive team. Uh, we couldn't stop them, and, and we kind of got on the road to where they couldn't stop us. We just um, didn't make enough plays defensively to, to um, make it even closer of a, of a ball game. Speak to that last drive against Southern because you pulled this out, you know, had a lead, lost it. Uh, then ultimately you had to score on your last possession, seven plays, 44 yards, as Ja'Cory Howard scored from four yards out with 39 seconds. Not only the Talk about not only the touchdown, but the drive in of itself. Yeah, well, we were fortunate enough to get the ball back, and, and we're starting a true freshman quarterback, and, and I look out there and we call the play, and, and he throws a 30-, 40-yard pass to a true freshman receiver, and, and, and it's like the biggest game of, of the season so far, and, and we're depending on two guys that just got here. And, and they just made plays. And then the next play or so later, our, our quarterback, Andrew Body uh, scrambles for 20 yards, and then he hands it off to a, a sophomore running back who carries the guy for a few yards for the winning touchdown. And it was just – it was great to see that those guys, um, they didn't flinch. They they just, you know, stared adversity down and, and, and um, attacked it, attacked it, and we came out successful. Clarence McKinney in his third season as the head football coach at Texas Southern joins us here on Botch to Row. So, I mean, is is Andrew Body uh in fact your quarterback? You've you've had a couple of guys to roll uh this year. Is he your guy now? Yeah, I think he's earned that right. Uh he's had um he's put about three really good games together in a row. And uh I think he's earned the right to to be the guy for the rest of the season. Speak about him and his play. I mean, he's a guy that can throw it and can also get it done with his leg. Yeah, he's definitely a dual threat. Um, he's he's still young. He's still learning our offense. We're, we're trying to simplify some things for him. But, I mean, he's just a kid who can make plays, whether it's with his feet or with his arms. And um, our, our players are, are excited when he's out there. Uh, they play hard because they know as long as he's, he's – on the field that there's a chance he'll make a play for us. So uh, it's, it's just been good for our program all around. You know, this is a Texas Southern program that has struggled even before you took over, and you knew it was going to be a you know an uphill battle. You had been in some places uh, before that, Texas A&M, uh, Houston, where you knew, hey, you know, you knew how to win. Speak to that 2019 season. You didn't win a game. I mean, to the point you made earlier – you, you know, you did some good things, you, but, I mean, that had to be a tough season overall uh, for you and the Texas Southern program. Yeah, it's definitely tough when you when you don't win a game, but like I said earlier, we, we were in just about every game. I mean, we were a play or two away from, from winning some games in that season. And so we, we kind of felt like as a staff we, we uh, liked what we were doing from a program standpoint, and we just had to – find a couple more players to help us get over that hump, and we think we found those guys. Clarence McKinney, the head football coach at Texas Southern, joins us here on the program. Where do you – your thoughts on the way, you know, your defense is playing overall this season? I 
think we're we're getting better. We're finally getting healthy uh, defensively. Um, we started the season out with a few guys that we de- were dependent on um, unavailable for us, and um, right around homecoming, I think those guys started to get back healthy, and, and now uh, we're we're putting guys in position to be successful. We're playing a lot of guys defensively, and um, I think as a defense, as a team, period. You know, when when you're able to line up with the same guys week to week, and those guys can can grow together and, and start to trust each other and and, and play uh, better defense uh, as a whole unit. For you, I mean, being a guy that had you know Texas A and M, you know Arizona, uh, but the University of Houston. I want to touch specifically on Houston because you were the recruiting coordinator. And Houston's got a wealth. I mean, the state of Texas got a wealth of great high school football players. You know, Houston's the biggest city. Uh, speak to that in, in terms of recruiting and not really having to go far to recruit good football players. Yeah, well, the state of Texas is really good, you know, as far as recruiting goes. I mean, the state supplies the whole country of universities. So we just know that there's enough good players in the state that that uh, we can get to and if um, we can't find them or, or get them in Texas we just slide over to our, our um, neighboring state in Louisiana and, and grab a couple guys out of there yeah what are you learning about yourself as a as a head coach now uh, in your third season patience you know I I, uh, I was one of those younger coaches I wanted it right now and it didn't happen immediately, and and I just know that you got to be patient. It takes players. Uh, I think more more about players than X's and O's. So um, being patient, being more patient. Uh, as the older I get, as since I've become a head coach, um, and I think I'm I'm I've been. I've probably uh, done what I think is my best coaching job in 2019, the year we we uh, didn't win a game because it's, it's hard to keep guys focused week to week when when you're not winning. So even I mean I'm, that's 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 interesting. Even more so than this year with with the two victories, particularly over Southern, who a lot of you know obviously a lot of people. I mean I'm not saying they're not a great program, but a lot of people still think a, a really good program. I think they're a really good program, and it was a big win for. And, and uh, we feel like um, we're we're on the same level as everyone else. Like I said, um, you know, we, we we play in this league. We've played some really close games in this league. Uh, we just we just have to find a way to to win those games. And I think um, our guys are starting to believe that we can win those games. Last thought, Coach McKinney, and we appreciate the time. Your thoughts on Grambling as you have to go on the road to face the Tigers? Yeah, another tough opponent in Grambling. Uh, we're expecting a hostile uh, situation there with them having homecoming and a lot of people being there. We just, you know, we're going to show up, play TSU football, and, and see what happens. Clarence McKinney in his third season as the head football coach at Texas Southern joins us here on Box to Row. The Tigers 2-3 and three on the season. Winners of two straight and going to go on the road again to take on Grambling on Saturday. Coach McKinney, appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Tigers. Thanks a bunch. Uh, Go Tigers. Clarence McKinney, the head football coach 
of Texas Southern joining us here on the program. So I promised you, even though we talked about it in the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, uh, which you can find on our website at BoxToRow.com, the good, the bad, and the ugly, we're midway through the football season. So the good, I mean, obviously it's got to be Jackson State, right? Like Jackson State, big win over uh, Alabama A&M, but big win to start the season over Florida A&M. And if it could have gotten any semblance of offense, could have had a big win over Louisiana Monroe. So you look at Jackson State, they're part of the good. The Tigers are part of the good. Uh, Shador Jackson, uh, excuse me, Shador Sanders has been absolutely unbelievable. 11 touchdowns to only one interceptions. He's completing well in excess of 71% of his passes. Think about that. He's a true freshman, real deal, getting it done. So Shador Sanders, part of our, uh, our, our good when you talk about the good in HBCU football. I mean, Isaiah Land, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. He's, he, leads the F, he leads FCS in sacks. He's got 10 sacks on the season. He's, he's unbelievable. Willie Simmons talked about him. Uh, the head football coach of Florida A&M, he was part of his first recruiting class. Now he's starting to blossom. Isaiah Land starting to blossom. That Florida A&M defense is something to be reckoned with. And remember, the five sacks that he had was not against a slouch football team. It was against a good South Carolina State football team who's known for, uh, for having, I mean, Corey Fields is the quarterback. Solid is known for having good offensive Line so that he's he's part of the good uh, as well. When I look at Prairie View A and M, good season so far for the Panthers. Really good season, right? I mean, undefeated in uh, in SWAC play, and uh, and st- I mean leading right now. Well, along with Alcorn State, in terms of that SWAC Western Division, right? So uh, Prairie View A and M is looking very very good. You look at Bowie State. Bowie State's got a big football game tomorrow against Virginia State. It's a, it's a game that concerns me, if you're, and it should concern Bowie State, because Virginia State, yeah, it's one, two in a row, but not against the, the best competition in Elizabeth City State and St. Augustine's, but on a bit of a roll. Uses two quarterbacks, six sacks in each of the last two games. Bowie State, Jerome Johnson for Bowie State has been sacked like 23 times this year. So you got to protect him. Uh, but anyway, Bowie State, part of the good, right, uh, so far in HBCU football. Also, part of the good, uh, Langston. The Langston Lions, who play in the Sooner Athletic Conference, are undefeated. Looking, right, you're Langston looking not only to wrap up the conference, but to go back to the playoffs. And the Lions have not had a lot of success in the NAIA playoffs. To me, much like Bowie State, I think Bowie State, you, 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 I mean, Virginia State could catch them. Any of these teams could catch them. They beat Shawan last week, uh, did the Bulldogs. That was a big win uh, for, for them. The latter half of the schedule is a little bit lighter. Anybody can catch them. But to me, Bowie State is playing against itself right now and wants to do everything it can to get better. So once it gets in the playoffs, um, it can make some noise in the playoffs, right? Unlike 2019 when it fell in the playoffs hosting a home game. And Langston, uh, to me, uh, is in a similar boat. Been to NAIA playoffs, hasn't, hasn't won an NAIA game. So if you're Langston, uh, they're part of the good as well and want to uh, want to 
compete against uh, themselves. I don't know with that Sooner Athletic Conference if some of the teams in front of them are, are really, really good, but I know Langston is. Uh, the bad, Bethune-Cookman. Uh, 0-4 on the season, and it's just been tough going. 0-6 on the season, been very tough going for Bethune-Cookman. You figure coming into the conference, you want to make a, a splash coming out of the MEAC. The MEAC is known uh, not necessarily as a conference that plays great defense, although as a whole I think the MEAC does, but uh, it, it, it's more known for defense than the SWAC is. And when you're Bethune-Cookman, I mean, you're, have, you're, you're giving up a lot of points, having to come back, uh, go against, you know, the, uh, the, the Alabama A&M had to come back and pull and, and made it a close game, lost 30-27, to 27, uh, you know, lost to South Carolina State, got down, what, 42-7 to 7 before losing 42-35, to 35, played uh, relatively well against UCF. You used the word relatively, right? Um, uh, had a uh, – can't think of the – it may have been New Mexico State, lost by 10 points. Right, so, you know, but it's just not happening or hasn't happened so far for Bethune-Cookman. Then the ugly would have to be Alabama A&M's loss to Jackson State. A lot of talk going on throughout the course of the week. And, you know, Jackson State just put a whooping, an absolute whooping on Alabama A&M. And so, you know, and by the way, uh, and it was ugly. Right, defensive score, as I mentioned, to start the game. And then it was absolutely on, and Jackson State did not let up. So that was the ugly uh, so far midway through the HBCU football season. I got to get ready to run here on Box to Row. Thank you, Clarence McKinney, the head football coach at Texas Southern. Thank you to Manny Diaz, the head coach at the University of Miami. Thank you to Delaware State head football coach. Rod Milstead for joining us on the program. For more information on Box to Row, log on to our website at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM is produced by DW Communications.